When you enter Spooky, it gets narrow almost immediately. I was able to squeeze through standing up as long as I took my backpack off. I did not have to crawl through that lower section. I could stand up and go sideways and suck in and... I think I even took my belt off. Yeah, we were regretting the pizza and beer we had the night before. We were definitely sucking in our bellies to get through. I was regretting the pizza I had for the last six months. (laughs) Maybe the last six years. (laughs) Are we talking about me or you? This is the Dear Bob and Sue podcast, stories from our journey to all the U.S. national parks and other public lands. I'm Karen Smith. And I'm Matt Smith. We're the authors of the Dear Bob and Sue series of books. In this episode, we're taking you to the Southwest to explore some of our favorite slot canyons. No two slot canyons are the same. These cracks in the earth vary in length, in width, depth, and color. You might be hiking through water or climbing over boulders, but they all have one thing in common. Yeah, they're really fun to explore. We'll be talking about slot canyons in Utah, Nevada, New Mexico, and Southern California, plus a new business venture we have in the works. Coming up next... I like how you showed up to record this in your 20252 t-shirt. I don't think you've taken that off since you ordered that a few weeks ago. I have several of them. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah the 20252. That was a wild ride. That was about a month and a half ago. We had this crazy idea, or I had this idea, about using Smokey Bear's zip code as something to put on a t-shirt, and you made fun of me, so that encouraged me even more to prove <laughs> you wrong. But uh, So if you haven't listened to our Smokey Bear episode yet, it's number 82, and Matt was mentioning that there are only two quote-unquote people in the United States who have their own zip code, and that would be the President of the United States and Smokey Bear. Yeah, so my idea was to put the 20252, which is his zip code, on hats and shirts and, and things like this, because I think people would think that's cool. Yeah, I thought it was such a great idea. Whoa, whoa. Okay. <laughs> I was 100% uh, yeah. behind. Okay, so I, I, would, I would just like to take this opportunity to replay the clip of when I first introduced this idea. Let, let's just see how supportive you were. I don't think we'll be able to find that clip. I th- yeah, no, I have it. I'm not sure anyone cares about Smokey's zip code as much as you do, but I could be wrong. It could be a this bestseller. Is why this, this is why the t-shirt company has gotten <laughs> off to a slow start. I don't get a lot of encouragement at home. Okay. I just well. want the listeners at home to know that's what we consider supportive in our house. <laughs> and you went out and proved me wrong. It was pretty amazing, actually, the response that we got from all of our listeners who immediately messaged us and said that they wanted to buy a 20252 t-shirt from you. So I designed a couple, put mm-hmm. them on Amazon, and then the pirates stole my idea, stole our name. People are out there selling 20252 t-shirts under the name Matt and Karen. But you know what that means? That means that you're somebody because... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. I don't know if you, I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> yeah, they don't steal from just anybody. Yeah, well, they, no, they're stealing from me. So I know. I'm not... I have other plans other than just Amazon. Matter of fact, I decided to start my own website so I could at least try to control the pirates who are stealing my ideas. It's dirtlander.com. So that's www.dirtlander.com. And people will ask, how did you choose the name Dirtlander? And it's a very simple process. You go to buy a, a domain name and you just find whatever syllables that you can combine together that aren't taken yet. That's right. And, and I that, think Dirtlander and- was the last combination of 
syllables. Right. And there are some that aren't taken, but they also cost a million dollars. They, they cost. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I tried to get smokybear.com. That was taken. Right. Also, the, the reason for Dirtlander is because you are going to expand the t-shirt line beyond just the smoky zip code. Right, you're going to have T-shirts um, about public lands and other things. The two o two five two is just the beginning yes. <laughs> of the empire. <laughs> yes, although I did finally get a hold of a Smoky Bear license program application, and I'm I'm filling that out now, mm-hmm. um, so I could be like official. I could create and sell official Smoky Bear stuff. I'm a little concerned about the application. They're asking for things that I don't even know what they're asking. Like I mean, what? well, like Dun and Bradstreet number, which I don't know, I'm just put it down zero <laughs> on that. Um, they want to know what my gross wholesale sales have been the last three years. Oh, well, that, wow. that's an easy one. Again, zero, 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 zero. Uh-huh. They're uh-huh. asking uh, what percent of my products are sold through different chain stores. Mm-hmm. Again, lots of zeros. Uh-huh. Hey, I think you're a shoe in. <laughs> no, look. I've, I've said this before. I think that Smokey should be free. Like everyone should mm-hmm. be able to create stuff. I don't want to have to start up my free Smokey campaign again, but I will if I have to. Oh. Is this the supportive <laughs> comment? Did that not sound supportive? <laughs> so Dirtlander.com's up and running. And when I looked at your website, when I looked at our website. Well, it's okay. It's not, it's not our website. <laughs> I noticed that we have, besides just the t-shirts, we have hats and we have coffee coffee mugs mugs and um, hoodie sweatshirts. So really all kinds of fun things. And we have, I'm starting to put other things up there other than 20252. I saw that Glacier National Park t-shirt and I will be ordering that today. I'm going to get into some public land themed shirts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm limited by how much time I have to do the t-shirt designs. Well, but, yeah, because you have a podcast to do. But um, I'm hey, a busy man. Do I get a discount on the shirts since I'm since I'm half owner of this enterprise? I can give you a discount. <laughs> you aren't half owner of the enterprise. <laughs> you can't weasel your way back in. Did you hear the clip that we played earlier? <laughs> that doesn't sound like an equal partner to me. Well, we'll see. All right. So yeah. Dirtlander.com is up and running. And- That's right. And and one more thing. A lot of you ordered the 20252 shirts when they were up on Amazon. And y'all sent us your photos. And so we just wanted to thank you because we've had so much fun seeing all of you with your shirts on. Yeah, please don't send us pictures with your shirts off. It's, it's not that. It's not that kind of business. I, I would definitely have to rewrite my privacy policy. <laughs> All right, enough about Dirtlander. Uh, what are we talking about today, Matt? We are talking about Slot Canyons, one of our favorite land formations. Our favorite places to hike in. Yeah. It's one of them. So, Karen, can you tell everyone what exactly a Slot Canyon is? Yes, I can. It's typically a very narrow gorge, a very narrow canyon that has steep, high walls on either side. And those walls are made up of usually a soft rock like basalt or sandstone and many of them many slot canyons at the end when you you know at the very end when you have to turn around there is a waterfall or more likely a dry fall pour off some obstacle (laughs) that forces you to turn around typically and i just want everyone to know who's listening to this at home you used a lot of hand gestures in describing (laughs) this and so if, if everyone while you're listening to this if you could just do weird things with your hands. <laughs> I think I think that adds to the description of what a slot canyon because I didn't understand any of those hand gestures, which is probably okay because that means everyone can just do whatever they want. Okay, well, this is why we have talked before about filming our podcast episodes. This film, is why we can. This is why we can never film them, record them. What do you call it? What would you call that? Filming them. Video. Video recording. Thank you. We can never video record them because I make weird hand gestures all the time. <laughs> and faces. a lot of weird stuff. No. <laughs> there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in, in the <laughs> studio here that it's just better off that we're on radio only. I agree. We're those kind of people. <laughs> we're, we're radio only people. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. 
All right. Enough said. <laughs> yes. Okay, back to slot canyons. I think one of the cool things is that every single slot canyon is different and unique. There are different colors of rocks. There are different widths. Some are very narrow. Some are wider. You're never going to find the same slot canyon twice. They're like snowflakes. Mm-hmm. No two are the same. That's right. So what what do you like about hiking through slot canyons? Big canyons like the Grand Canyon, they're great to look at and, and hike in and all that. But slot canyons, they're, they're close in. I mean, it's kind of an intimate experience because you're right next to the walls. And sometimes the walls are close enough you can touch both of them. Uh, the other thing that we found early on is photographs in slot canyons are just unlike any other place because... A lot of times the light reverberates back and forth across the the canyon walls and you just, you could get incredible photographs in in the slot canyon. Do you know what I like about slot canyons? Thanks for asking. (laughs) If you would put your hands down for a second, I'll (laughs) ask you, (laughs) what, what do you like about slot canyons? Overwhelmingly, every time we hike through a slot canyon, it makes me feel like a kid again, which is it easy considering my age, but I think <laughs> uh, you have to go way back, way back. But usually these hikes through slot canyons involve some scrambling and some maneuvering and butt scooting, butt scooting, and you're sideways and you're doing some stemming, and it's just fun. And I think the physical part of it, moving, you know, moving your body in these kind of strange ways, and the accomplishment of getting to the next part of this slot, I don't know, it makes me feel like a kid again. And I think it's just fun. I have a lot of video of you butt scooting and having your body in in awkward positions yeah. we'll, we'll put we'll no. put all those clips no most of that on is... our website uh, they'll be in the show notes we'll have links to those in the show notes those, those mm. are not for the general public okay <laughs> so how are slot canyons formed you're asking me yeah yeah do you know do I do I know mm. how slot do you want me to explain it do I know how <laughs> slot canyons are formed like when a fault or a crack opens up in the earth and then flash floods come through and they bring rocks and sediment and limbs and the debris and it just opens the crack wider and it just scours it and then just rain, flood, repeat over thousands of years. And then a lot of times, Karen, what you'll find <laughs> is sandstone is the most susceptible. It's the sand, Easy for you to say. Sandstone <laughs> is the most susceptible kind of rock for forming slot canyons. But Karen, you can find slot canyons in limestone, in granite, and basalt, other t- other types of rocks. So that's kind of, in a nutshell, I guess that would be the lay- layman's version of how slot canyons are formed. Wow, Matt, that was really impressive. Were you were you trying to audition for your own History Channel show? No, I, think, I was just I think talking off the top of my head. <laughs> I think there's one called How the Earth Was Made. Maybe you could be a podcast host on that one. Well, you know, if they call... <laughs> How are you with the rock layers of the Grand Canyon? Oh, you mean like the Coconino Shale and the Hermit Crab? I mean, the Hermit <laughs> hermit Basalt and the, no. the, the Vishnu Schist? You, you want me to get into that? I thought this was about slot canyons. It's not about the Grand Canyon, but if you want, I can go into those. Unfortunately, we don't have time for that. I was just testing you. Now, there are a couple of types of slot canyon hikes. There are technical slot canyons and there are non-technical. And basically all it means is the technical slot canyon hikes, you have to rappel in, you have to have ropes, you should have a helmet, all that kind of stuff. You need equipment and Mm -hmm. you need to know how to use it. Exactly. That's technical. Yes. We're not going to talk about those today. No, because we don't do those. Right. We're just going to talk about slot canyon hikes that you don't need special equipment and also slot canyon hikes that are day hikes because there are some cool slot canyon hikes that are 20 miles or more that would be a multi-day backpack. We don't have time to get into that today, but there are some cool ones out there. Yeah. So we're going to talk about non-technical slot canyons. And the one thing that we say every time we talk about a slot canyon, and it's actually good to be a broken record on this, is you do need to be aware of flash floods because a lot of slot canyons, when you get into them, there's no easy way to climb out. And sometimes it, it could be, gosh, it could be a quarter mile. It could be 100 feet. It could be five miles before you could actually run out of the slot canyon to get to higher ground if a flash flood comes through. 
So you really have to be aware of not only the the weather right overhead of where you're hiking in a slot canyon, but uh, what's going on in the general vicinity, right? I mean, a, a thunderstorm could happen five, six, ten miles away, and that water an hour or two later could be rushing through the slot canyon you're in, even though there's not a cloud overhead. That's right. Check the forecast. Also, a lot of people think a flash flood is just a wall of water coming through, which it is, but this wall of water picks up debris. So there are also tree trunks. There are boulders. There is all kinds of stuff that is coming through in this flash flood. And if you consider that you are in this very narrow, tight canyon, of course, the the water and the debris is going to be extremely deep. And Unfortunately, a lot of people have lost their lives in slot canyons when flash floods have come through. So we can't overstate that enough. It's not a not a good thing to be caught in. And what's also interesting about these slot canyons is after flash floods come through, it completely changes the nature of the slot. So, you know, maybe a slot canyon that you hiked a year earlier, you know, you go back again and it's completely different because of flash floods. So there could be boulders where there weren't boulders. So it's just interesting how these slot canyons are always changing because of flash floods. Right. A couple of times we have done slot canyon hikes and we have read the descriptions and the descriptions were inaccurate because it might have been a year old and they'll talk about a an impassable boulder at the you know three mile mark and we get to the three mile mark and the boulder is just gone. And we're talking about boulders the size of three or four cars put together, just pulverizes them, washes them away and might leave another boulder somewhere else. So Mm -hmm. yeah, they're constantly changing, which makes it interesting also. Yeah. And it brings up the point that when you're doing your research about a particular slot canyon that you're going to hike and you're looking at all the recent blog posts, make sure that they are recent blog posts. Because if you're going off something that somebody wrote five years ago, it is likely to be very different now. And also another tip, go early. You know, early in the day uh, for a couple of reasons. One is you're more likely to avoid the crowds. Mm -hmm. In some cases, even if it's a fairly remote area, there could be a a small parking area that fills up. Also, a lot of these are in desert areas. And sometimes when you're you're there in the summertime, it can be really warm getting to the slot canyons. A lot of times in the slot canyons, it's a lot cooler because you're in the shade. But getting to and from can be dangerously hot. That's right. We always talk about starting your hike early, but it's particularly important when you're hiking in slot canyons. Some of the ones we're going to talk about are so narrow. For instance, Zebra Canyon, you can barely get through with just your own body. If you have to negotiate, if you have did that to take sound an- weird? another body with you, do you think so? Why these slot canyons? Wait, wait a second. If you run into strangers, are you having to take their body through the slot canyon with you? Is See, that's that what it is? You don't want to do. No, that's that's okay. why you want to go early. That's why you want to go early because trying to pass people, or if you're going one direction, if you're coming out and somebody's coming in, it would be extremely, extremely difficult. So we can't stress it enough. Go early. Go early. Go early. All right, should we get started? Yeah. Where do you want to go first? Well, as a lot of you know, southern Utah has the densest population of slot canyons in the world. There are literally hundreds of them south of I-70. But before we talk about the Utah ones, we are going to mention some other slot canyons in other states. Yeah, we found several in Death Valley. Yeah, that's a great place for slot canyons and kind of something for everybody there. You do want to, when you're in Death Valley, if you go into some of these places, you want to have a vehicle that can get over fairly rough roads. I mean, yes. they're they're not potholed or anything like that, but they can be washboarded, which can, you know, shake your vehicle a lot. <laughs> and the rocks can kick up and hit an oil pan. Uh, and that's kind of one of the big dangers is it'll damage your tires or damage your oil pan. If you start leaking oil in the middle of the desert, you're going to get stuck. Most of the slot canes we're going to talk about are fairly remote and you are taking dirt roads to get to them. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point to make. Yep, yep. Now, the first one is Mosaic Canyon. 
We did that years ago. I, rem- I remember did. enjoying that. Why, why haven't we done that again? I don't know, but I think that was actually the very first hike we ever did on our very first visit to Death Valley. And what's cool about Mosaic Canyon is these canyon walls are not sandstone. They're actually marble, polished marble, and they're embedded with different kinds of rock fragments. That's what gives it its name, Mosaic Canyon. Now, Matt, unlike you, I don't know the names of these little rock um, fragments. So we don't just... have time for that right now. <laughs> Did you want to talk about uh, that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I have to use my hands to describe it. So let's just we'll we'll just save that for like when we start doing videos. Okay. <laughs> So the entire Mosaic Canyon hike is about four miles round trip with 1,200 feet elevation gain, which I was kind of surprised when I looked that up, Matt, because I don't remember it being 1,200 feet of elevation gain. I guess I, I, I don't. That. I don't either. <laughs> I have to double check that. But so if you looked it up, I'm I sure did. It's it was it was on the National Park website. But after you go about 1.3 miles into the canyon, you come to this boulder jam, and it looks like it's impassable, but it's actually not. Um, A lot of people turn around there, but you should keep going if you can. You can crawl between the boulders on the left side, that's the east side of the jam, and then you continue on on a bypass route to the second set of narrows. Yeah, I I remember thinking that we would have to stop there, and it took us a little time, but we did figure out how to get around there. Yeah, and it wasn't very hard. You know, you see a lot of families on this hike, so this isn't something that was hard to do. I think probably anybody could do it. Uh, And then the trail does end. There's a definite end point at, it's a 25-foot vertical dry fall in this kind of um, amphitheater setting. It was very pretty back there. Yeah, and you're not going up that (laughs) non-technically. No, you're not. And that's where we turned around. Yeah. Mosaic Canyon, I think, is great for everyone. And, And it's a very popular hike in Death Valley. So again, and because of the heat, get there early. And there's another slot canyon not too far from that, and kind of in the same area, the Grotto Canyon. God. And it's, I, I would say that's a challenging, moderate to strenuous yes. hike. It's about two to four miles out and back. Yeah, depending on where you turn around. Now, unfortunately, when we did it, we only made it about a mile, and then we had to turn back. And it was so frustrating because... Here's the thing about slot canyons. A lot of times you will get to a point that looks impassable, like a, you know, a dry pour off, dry waterfall, and you think, okay, well, that's it. But if you backtrack a little bit and you look to the left and to the right, a lot of times there is a trail that will take you up and around this seemingly impassable point. So we did that a couple times on that Grotto Canyon Falls, remember? We did, yeah. And I don't think we were as experienced then uh, doing slot canyons as we are now. So yeah, you de- you definitely have to look for the the bypasses. So the last bypass that we did, gosh, we climbed up and up, and it was on this uh, kind of this boulder field, and we couldn't see the top, we couldn't see a way around it, and finally, and we were so frustrated because, like I said, we'd only gone about a mile, but finally we gave up and went back to our truck. We were way past a bypass. We were, <laughs> we, were making, went wrong. we were making a new trail. <laughs> That's right. But the rest of you could try it. Let us know. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. An even more difficult one in Death Valley, and we have not done this one, but if you Google Slot Canyon in Death Valley, this is the one that always comes up. It's called Sidewinder. And the, the NPS website says it's not only physically, but it's also mentally challenging. <laughs> That's what stops me. Yeah, we're... <laughs> We're not doing that. <laughs> no, because I already feel mentally challenged on these hikes because I'm worried about, you know, flash floods coming through. So Right. Yeah, I, I yeah. am worried that we didn't bring enough food on the <laughs> That's on your the hike. worry. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need mental challenges right. while I'm hiking. Right. So I was reading the description on the NPS website, and it says that when you get to the very first slot, so this is at the very beginning, there's this like huge boulder jam that looks impassable. You have to get on your hands and knees and crawl through a crack, and then you come up into an area that's so dark, you need a headlamp to see your way. I'm out. I know. I don't don't crawl through cracks. No, no. (laughs) You know, a lot of people have different levels of claustrophobia. I think this one would... That would just put me over the edge. Yeah, no, I I just don't want to do it. Just go back to the sand dunes. Yeah. Take a couple beers in your backpack and go to the top of the sand dunes. (laughs) That's right. Wait for the sun to go down. That's right. That's our speed. (laughs) But another one we did do, and this one isn't very well known. You never hear about this one, but this is called Fall Canyon. And I remember when... 
Uh, Michelle Obama was the first lady. I read an article about she went to visit Death Valley National Park and she did the Fall Canyon hike. And that's what put it on my radar. And I figured if Michelle Obama could do it, we could probably do it. It got on your radar. Is that is that different than your wish bucket? Do you <laughs> do you have a radar and a wish bucket? Yes. Radar isn't as strong as wish bucket. Radar is more like, oh, I'd like to do that. Wish bucket is, I have to do that before I die. So you have to move them from the radar to the bucket. Yeah. I wouldn't say Fall Canyon would ever be a bucket uh, okay. in my bucket, okay. but it was it's on, on, my radar. on the radar. Okay. So let's talk about it for a second. It's six miles round trip and you park at the Titus Canyon parking lot. Now, if you've never been to Titus Canyon, that's another fun thing to do because it is a dirt road. Um, it's one way, and if you have a four-wheel drive vehicle, you can drive through Titus Canyon. But if you don't, you can park at the mouth of the canyon, and you can walk in. We did that, too. We did both of those. We parked outside and walked in. We also did the road one way. The road that we did one way, we had a rented Jeep. And I don't think you need to rent a uh, high-clearance vehicle, but it's it's a little challenging. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't do it like just in a rental car. But, right. But, you know, if you have a pickup truck or a four-wheel drive or something of your own, you could probably do that. Yeah, but it's a beautiful drive. And if you walk in, it's very narrow. It's only one lane. You need to be watching for the cars that will be heading towards you. However, when we did it, there weren't that many. I mean, it, was, it wasn't an issue. And it's it's not really a slot canyon, but it's slot canyon like right the walls do get close but just enough for a car to go through it's like you couldn't touch both walls right uh you know at at the same time but yeah it's it's slot canyon like yes but anyway back to fall canyon so you you access fall canyon from this titus canyon parking area i think gosh it was like maybe a mile to get to the canyon now fall canyon is six miles round trip if you can make it that far at the three mile point there is a 20 foot dry fall there i read that you can bypass it by scrambling up a slope but I think when we did it, either we were too tired to go on or we didn't see the bypass because that's no, the point. We, we, we had, had already had some uh, bad bypass experiences <laughs> at that point. <laughs> you know, I was wondering, though. So a lot of slot canyons, including Fall Canyon, there are there are a few points where you kind of need a partner or it helps if you have a partner that can boost your butt up some of these like smaller pour offs. And, and I was just wondering, and I don't mean any disrespect to Michelle Obama, but do you think so? She was with her Secret Service agents. Do you think they boosted her, Karen? I'm s- <laughs> there is nothing good that would that would come from me commenting on who did or didn't touch Michelle Obama's butt while she was hiking this canyon. <laughs> please, I'm just please saying- edit that out of the final version. No, it's- I don't want Secret Service coming to our house. Remember the ranger at Goblin Valley when he was telling us about the slot canyons over in that area, which we're going to talk about? He said, I can't remember, he phrased it in a very funny way, but he said, you need to have someone with you that you're very friendly with because of that, because you you got to boost people. Can we stop talking about this now, please? <laughs> All right, we'll move on from there. But Fall Canyon uh, was a great one, too, to add on to your list when you go to Death Valley. All right, so let's let's stay in that general area the state of Nevada, Mm -hmm. and go to Valley of Fire State Park, which is, by the way, a fantastic state park. And and it's not very far from Las Vegas. Right. I don't know what's like an hour drive. I forget. Yeah, it's it's about an hour from Vegas. It's also on the way to Zion from Vegas. So if, if you're headed from Vegas to Zion, it's a great stop. Fantastic state park. And there are two smallish, easy slot canyons in that park. Yeah, one of my favorite hikes in Valley of Fire State Park, and we actually did this twice (laughs) on the same hike, is the White Domes Loop. It's only about 1.1 mile round trip, and there's really only a kind of a small section of it that's Slot Canyon, but Mm -hmm. I think the whole trail is interesting. So it's worth doing it, and you'll get to walk through a slot canyon on the hike. It's very, it's a very colorful hike. Remember those stairs that we went down that were all those different colors? I tried to take a bunch of pictures of them, and I just couldn't quite capture it. But Matt, what kind of rock was that on those stairs? What, that yeah, was we so don't good. have time. We, we don't have time to get into all the different layers of rock. But but you are correct. They were colorful. They were colorful rocks. 
But at the bottom of those, depending on which direction you do the hike, we did it clockwise. At the bottom of those stairs, there's an old Hollywood movie set. It looks like historic ruins from the wild, wild west, but actually it's the location of the 1966 Western movie, The Professionals. And if you want to see another slot canyon in Valley of Fire State Park, there's one called Pastel Canyon or Pink Canyon, some people call it, because it is has some pink colors. Now, one of the most popular hikes in the park is the Fire Wave. But a lot of people, they park, they go out to the Fire Wave, and they go back to the parking lot. You can instead do this as a loop, and it's called the Seven Wonders Loop, and that includes the Fire Wave, and it also includes this Pastel Canyon. The loop, if you do the whole thing, is 1.8 miles. It says it's moderately strenuous because I think you're hiking through some sand and it's going to be hot out there. But this slot canyon is um, pretty. It's pink. And the the canyon walls are not very high. So you don't have that enclosed, I'm trapped in a canyon type of feeling when you go through that one. That trail can get hot. We did it in February and we got hot. In fact, because of the extreme heat, they closed the fire wave and the entire Seven Wonders Loop in the summer from June 1st through September 30th. Yeah, summer's not a great time to visit Valley of Fire. Okay, so moving on to New Mexico and a very cool park called Casa Catui Tent Rocks National Monument. Yeah, I enjoyed that park and the Slot Canyon Trail that we hiked. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't very long. It was maybe, what, three miles round trip? Now, the slot section of that trail is only about a quarter mile long, and it's, and it's easy, but it's, it's a great example of a slot canyon. Right. And from the parking area to the slot canyon section is very easy and, and pretty short. The strenuous part comes after you exit the slot canyon because at that point you're making your way up, up, up to a viewpoint. Uh, you know, it's a little steep and tiring, but I have to say that viewpoint is incredible. You're looking down on the tent rocks, which are these like huge, what kind of rock is that, Matt? Uh, they're, they're, <laughs> it's, they're, they're called tent rocks because they look like tents. Some people call them mushrooms. No, they don't. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> well, they're pointy at the top. I, I'm not sure they're They're, 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 they're pointy tents. Anyway, a note about this park. It's managed by the Bureau of Land Management, but it is on land that belongs to the Pueblo de Cochiti people. So the park has been closed for over two years now due to COVID. And I saw on the website that they are working on a reopening plan. So hopefully soon this park will reopen and you can go and do the Slot Canyon Trail. And by the way, it's not very far from the town of Santa Fe, which is such a great town to visit. Yes. I mean, that that's just a visit in and of itself. Just go to Santa Fe. And- well, yeah. And, you know, I think we've talked about the New Mexico road trip before, but you've got Bandelier is near Santa Fe. So you do Bandelier and Santa Fe and Kashkatu, and you make your way down to, you know, Albuquerque and right. then White Sands and the queen of them all, Carlsbad Caverns. It's, it's like the land of enchantment. That's how I would describe <laughs> New Mexico. Land of enchantment. Wow. Yeah. You, should, you should use that as a slogan, Matt. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Freebie yes. there. All right. So not too far if we just go a little bit northwest to Navajo land in Arizona. There are some really interesting slot canyons. And they are the upper and lower antelope canyons just outside of Page, Arizona. And they have got to be the most photogenic slot canyons of them all. Absolutely, without a doubt. Out of every single slot canyon we're talking about today, these are the most beautiful. The combination of the red, red rock and the lighting in these slot canyons, it is absolutely stunning. It's like another world. I can't even say how incredibly beautiful these are. And they're very convenient to the town of Page, Arizona. I mean, like, I'm talking about 10, 15-minute drive. Yeah, we talked about these, the Upper and Lower Antelope Canyons, in great detail in episode 52. So if you want more detail than we have time for today, go and take a listen to that. But people always ask us, if they can only do one, which one should they do, the upper or the lower? 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think there's a bad choice. Honestly, I don't think mm-hmm. there's... What's your answer? You answer for us all the time. So, <laughs> so what is my opinion on this, Karen? Your opinion, Matt, is if you can do both, if you have the time and you have the budget, because you have to pay for the tickets, obviously, do both for sure, because they're very different. But if I had to choose one, I would choose lower, because I thought it was more dramatic. I thought the tour, you get more bang for your buck, so to speak. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that I could choose. Yeah. Either one. If you only have time to do one, get whichever one's available to you. So the upper Antelope King, and we'll talk about that first, it's called The Crack. Um, it's known by the Navajo people as the place where water runs through the rocks. Now, the current price per person is about $90, but of course, that's likely to change over time. So check their website for current prices. They sell out months in advance. So I was randomly looking at tickets, sold out for July, for August, for September. I pulled up November and there were some tickets available. So if you want to do this, just know they sell out months ahead of time. Right. And for those of you listening several years from now, we're talking now in July. So this particular tour, they take you in an open air truck to the entrance of the Slot Canyon, but that's like a 20-minute truck drive mm-hmm. up there. And then the tour itself, the whole thing, lasts about 90 minutes. About 40 minutes of that, about almost half of that, is drive time. That's right. It, it's a pretty short slot. So once you get to the canyon, you walk right in at ground level, and the canyon is only 100 yards in length, about a quarter of a mile. The walls rise up about 120 feet. And just note, if you were there years ago, like we were, When we went, you walked in one way and then you turned around and you walked back, which was pretty cool because you got to see the canyon coming from both directions, but they don't do that anymore. Now, when you reach the end of the canyon, you walk back around the outside of the canyon and the total walking distance is about three quarters of a mile. That's right. I have to say they do a good job keeping the tour groups separated. They literally keep groups kind of around the corner so that when you're inside the Slot Canyon, it's you kind of feel like you're you're the only group there. So just a note about masks, because this is the Navajo Nation, masks are required on all the tours. However, they updated it last month, and you have approval to remove your mask to take photos. Um, you also can take your mask off outside the canyon when you are hiking to or from the canyons. So just note, you will need a mask, though, while you're in the canyon. So you can take your mask off to get a photo of yourself. Right, of yourself, yes. Uh, One more thing, this canyon is famous for its light beams. I think people try to go around noon when the sun is overhead. Uh, The guides throw sand up into the light beams, and as the dust from the sand is settling through the air, it makes for a great photo. It has makes kind of a ghostly look to it. You know, we got some beautiful photographs and, and quite frankly, you can get, gosh, you can get with a phone, great photographs in these canyons. Oh yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. You don't have to have professional equipment and that they don't allow tripods on these tours anyway. Um, yeah. A cell phone works, works great. All right. So that's the upper. Now the lower canyon is just across the highway from the upper canyon, at least the parking lots are. The upper is called the crack. This one's called the corkscrew. And this one, you're going underground, basically. You're going down some very steep stairs to access the lower Antelope Canyon. Now, just a note, there are two tour companies that offer tours, and they sit literally on the right outside the canyon. There's Ken's and there's Dixie's, and people always ask us which one they should do. I can't remember. What are they, um, brother and sister? Yeah, our guide told us the owners are family. So we've done both. We did Dixie's in September, and then our original time through years ago, we did Ken's, and they were, they were both fantastic. So I don't think you can go wrong on that one. Yeah, and the guides, all the guides we've had on all of these Slot Canyon tours were, were just fantastic. So they're very helpful, give you a lot of great information and a lot of tips on photographs. So this lower Antelope Canyon, you know, I'd mentioned the upper was what, a quarter mile in length? The lower Antelope is 1.1 miles in length, so a lot longer. Uh, there are different sections of it. There are some ladders that you have to climb up to the next section, and every corner that you round opens up an incredible scene, just one after another. 
And for the Dixies tour, the 90-minute tour, we paid $50. So. Yeah, I just looked it up. It's still $50. Okay. Now, just want to mention before we move on, there are some other slot canyons on the Navajo Nation that you can also do with an authorized guide. There's Canyon X. We've done that. It was great. There's Waterhole Canyon and Cardiac Canyon. Uh, we're going to try to do Cardiac Canyon in the fall when we're down there. So we'll let everyone know how that one was. Lots of cool slot canyons in that area. Okay, so let's move on to Utah and Capitol Reef National Park. And that and Capitol Reef is, is such a great park and, and so many different areas of the park, wide and varied types of landscapes. On the east side of the park off Notum Road, there are three slot canyons you can explore. There's Burrow Wash, Cottonwood Wash, and Sheets Gulch. That's the one we did. This particular hike, it's about 6.7 miles one way. Mm. You don't have to hike <laughs> That's that, a long that, way. that whole area. <laughs> right. But you do have to hike about a 1.3 miles through a desert wash to get to the start of the slot. Yeah. And this is one where you're definitely going to want to have directions before you go because there are a couple of turns you could make before you get to the actual slot that kind of look like a slot canyon that you don't want to make the turn. So you want to be prepared to know where you're going on this. So at about four and a half miles, you run into a 30-foot pour-off. And while you can get around it and continue on if you want to, most people turn back here and they retrace their steps for a nine-mile round-trip hike. And that's what we did. I would suggest going to the visitor center and, and talking to a ranger or somebody at the information desk about this hike because flash floods come through it and change it often. Right. I know when we did it, there was a description of a larger boulder that just wasn't there mm-hmm. because the flash flood had t- had taken it out. Yeah, and one of the cool things about it, I don't think a lot of people know about this because it's outside the popular part of the park where most visitors go. So when we did it, and it's been a couple of years, but we saw no one out there. We were the only two people out there. So this is a great place to get away from the crowds if that's what you're looking for. The other two slots we mentioned in the same area, Burrow Wash and the other one's Cottonwood Wash. And those are both about three and a third miles one way. Mm -hmm. So you can go through the slot as far as you want and then turn back. Right. We haven't done those yet, but I'd like to check those out the next time we're in Capitol Reef. But we, we really enjoyed Sheets Gulch and would recommend that if you're in the park. Yeah. Now, also in Utah, Zion National Park, the Narrows Hike up the Virgin River, that is a slot canyon. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a gorge, and, and there's walls that are as high as 1,000 feet right next to the river, but there are areas where the walls are as close as 20 to 30 feet. And it is spectacular. It is, it is spectacular. <laughs> it's a very popular hike now because yes. uh, people, everyone knows about it now. And that's right. And I would say in all of the national parks of all the hikes, the Zion Narrows would be in the top five of memorable, spectacular, once-in-a-lifetime kind of hikes. Right. You're hiking in the river. There is no trail. You're literally the Virgin River is the trail. The majority of people who hike the Narrows are doing it bottom up, and you don't need a permit for that. So from from the bottom up, you can hike as far as Big Spring, and that is 10 miles round trip. And you'd want to plan on that taking you all day. Oh, yeah. uh, Because if you've ever hiked through water, and of course, you're hiking upstream, it's it's a slow go. Yeah. And and of course... In the summertime, when the air temperature's hot, uh, it's great to be in the the cool water. But uh, people do it in the winter also, and it's much colder. I I know a lot of people put on wetsuits to do it in in the winter. Yeah, we've seen people going in. I don't think I would want to do it in the winter because of just the cold water and the cold temperature. If you do it in the spring, sometimes the park closes the trail because the water flow is too high and too fast due to snow melt. So there are times in the spring, they usually, I always see announcements on the website that the trail is closed. Yeah. Now we did it uh, both mid-June one time and uh, late September, and I think we had a better experience in late September. Well, we did because the weather was much hotter. So every time we fell in, <laughs> right. it wasn't as shocking. And the water level was lower and it was not moving as fast. So it was easier. We could cover more ground. And I think we went further. When we did it in June, that was the second time. And I don't think we went all the way to Big Spring because it was a, it was a lot more strenuous. Yeah. And you can, we did a episode on that, episode six. So if you want more details about hiking the Narrows, listen to 
episode six. Right. And I will say, great for families. Also, if you only want to go a mile up, still spectacular. Oh, yeah. This is one of the slot canyons where you don't have to go very far to see the incredible beauty. Yeah, the entire hike is the destination. Right, right. Okay, so moving on to Canyonlands National Park in the Needles District, we have (laughs) talked a lot in various episodes about the Chesler Park Joint Trail Loop Hike because that is one of our favorite hikes of all time. Yeah, now it's technically not a slot canyon, but it is this just incredible narrow passage between two huge giant rock slabs. Yes. It's very tunnel-like. It feels like a slot canyon. Definitely feels like a slot canyon. Now, the whole hike is, it's an 11-mile loop. It is very strenuous. And the thing is, is you don't get to the joint trail until after you pass through Chesler Park. It's, It's towards the end. So there's no way to shorten that really any. Well, towards the furthest point of the loop. Right. And I think it's strenuous just because of its length. And I mean, it's just odd terrain and can be warm. Uh, So take plenty of water. But yeah, it's one of our favorite hikes. Yeah. And just just a warning, we have done it in November and March, and the weather was perfect. But we also did it once in July with our friends, John and Lolly. And when we came out uh, towards the end, we were hiking through the, you know, the open desert. It was like two o'clock-ish. We took all the water that was recommended. We ran out of water. It was like 110 degrees. We honestly didn't think we'd make it back to the truck. Yeah. All four of us started feeling bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, your judgment starts to go. We had to stop several times and rest, and there wasn't any shade. So, yeah, you can get into trouble pretty quick. Yeah. So you just have to be careful when, when the temperature's hot. And it was scary because as we were kind of staggering back to our truck, we saw people setting off on the hike. They were beginning the hike at two in the afternoon, so wouldn't recommend that. But anyway, uh, if you go in the summer, you literally need to get there at the crack of dawn to, to be safe. Okay. So also in Utah, you have the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument, and there are some great slot canyons there. Oh, yes. Yeah. One of the premier ones is Zebra Canyon. There are a couple of slots we'll talk about that are down the um, unpaved hole in the rock road. This one is only about eight miles, so it's not not a long drive down this kind of bumpy dirt road. Yeah, eight miles down the road to the parking spot. Right. Not to the slot, right. <laughs> to the parking spot. Yeah, yeah. The hike itself from that parking spot is about 5.3 miles round trip. And and most of that is getting to the slot and, and back because the slot itself is, gosh, what, maybe maybe a quarter mile long? Yeah. Now they call it Zebra Canyon because there are these beautiful stripes on the canyon walls that are kind of this coral color and, and cream color. Absolutely beautiful. But this is one of those slot canyons that gets extremely narrow. And there are parts of it where you have to scale the wall and you have to do the crab walk or the stemming or whatever you want to call it to get through. And what would you do if there were other people there? <laughs> you would have to take their body into the, into this the slot. This is the one I was mentioning where you don't want to run into other people because it's an out and back. So if you're coming back or you're going and there's people coming in the opposite direction, it would be definitely be tricky. Yeah, you're definitely going to get to know them very mm-hmm. well. That's if, right. If you, if you run into them back deep in the slot canyon. Yeah. Now, it's interesting because I've seen photos of zebra where the water is really deep and people are literally hiking in waist-deep water. And when we were there, I guess we just got lucky. This was in November. There wasn't a drop of water. Right. That That's the other thing about some of these slot canyons. They can have standing water. Yes. Stank water. I don't do – I don't crawl in cracks. I don't do stank water. Those, <laughs> those are – do you know what kind of things can be living in stagnant water? Well, to be honest with you, Matt, I never really gave it a lot of thought. Yeah, it's breeding ground for bacteria and parasites. I, I mean, it's murky. It smells bad. It's usually green. <laughs> I think there's like sea monkeys in there. <laughs> I'm more worried about rattlesnakes, to be honest with you. <laughs> and in all seriousness, that's why you go to the visitor centers and get information first, because usually they can tell you if there's standing water. Yes, if there's been a, a flash flood that's come through recently. They they usually know. But again, this is another one. Stop at the visitor center in Escalante before you go. Get the directions from the ranger because it's a little tricky once you start hiking to find the mouth of the canyon. 
Yeah, and that visitor center in the little town of Escalante is great because it's a multi-agency, so they can tell you uh, information about the the whole area. Right. Yeah. Now, if you drive further down Hole in the Rock Road, this is about 26.3 miles, uh, you'll come to the trailhead for two more very well-known slot canyons, and those are Spooky and Peekaboo. Yeah, and these two slots, both of them, can be done together as a loop. So you can loop from one to the other, or you can just do them individually, just go out and back. Now, the entire loop, if you do, did them both, is about four miles. But the slots themselves are about a quarter mile each. Now, if you do it as a loop, you want to start with Peekaboo first, because then as you loop around and you get to Spooky, there there is a pretty big drop-off, and it's easier to navigate your way down than it is to climb up it. And Spooky is narrower and darker than Peekaboo, and I think that's where it maybe got its name. <laughs> yeah, I think Spooky is probably the narrowest slot canyon we've ever been in. Very narrow. So our experience was this. We, we had planned to do both. And it started out as a really nice day. We went to the um, Escalante Visitor Center. We got the, the scoop on the hikes. But by the time we drove out the 26 miles and we hiked down to the mouth of Peekaboo, it had turned cloudy. And we were starting to get a little worried about the weather. It didn't look like there was thunderstorms or anything like that. It was just general overcast. But mm-hmm. still, we, we were keeping our eyes on it. We were. And when you get to um, Peekaboo, that's the first one you'll come to, immediately, like you're looking at it, there's a 12-foot climb just to enter the slot. Now, there are some footholds that are carved into the rock on the side, so so you can navigate this. But we looked at it and decided that we would rather shorten our length of time, go down to Spooky, just go in and out Spooky and, and leave in case a thunderstorm was brewing somewhere that we couldn't see. When you enter Spooky, it gets narrow almost immediately. I was able to squeeze through standing up as long as I took my backpack off. I slid my backpack through the opening at the ground level, like where your feet would be, because that's the only spot it would fit. Uh, I did not have to crawl through that lower section. I could stand up and go sideways and suck in and... I think I even took my belt off. Yeah, we were regretting the pizza and beer we had the night before. We were definitely sucking in our bellies to get through. I was regretting the pizza I had for the last six months. (laughs) Maybe the last six years. (laughs) Are we talking about me or you? (laughs) That's probably the only slot where I felt really, really nervous. We were feeling very uneasy because it was so tight and it it is kind of dark. And we turned around and headed back out before we made it to the end. So that's spooky. Now, in a different area of Grand Staircase Escalani, there's another slot canyon that we've been wanting to do, Willis Creek. And we haven't done this one, and it should probably go in the bucket. I think it's an easy hike. It says the entire hike is only 4.8 miles round trip. Right. But you can turn around after 1.3 miles when the narrow section ends, because that's the pretty section. So if you do that and you turn around, that makes for a 2.6 mile round trip hike. And and it's like the narrows, you're hiking through a creek, although I believe usually the water level is fairly low, like ankle deep. Yeah. So the description says it's easy. Uh, it's it's just a great hike for families. Yeah, yeah. And it's in kind of a kind of out in the middle of nowhere. So I don't think it sees a lot of crowds. So I think you might, if you're lucky, have the place to yourself. Okay, so moving on to a slot canyon that's managed by the Bureau of Land Management. And one of our absolute favorites would be Buckskin Gulch and the Connecting Wire Pass. Okay, so this particular trail, it's between Kanab, Utah, and Page, Arizona. Uh, The highway, I think that's Highway, what, 89 there? And then you can turn south on House Rock Valley Road. So if you're going to do Buckskin Gulch, our recommendation is... When you're driving down House Rock Valley Road, you will get to a sign that says Buckskin Gulch Trailhead off to the left. We we don't take that. We don't go to that trailhead. We continue on to the Wire Pass Trailhead parking lot. We go down Wire Pass and enter Buckskin Gulch, and you're entering Buckskin Gulch a m- couple miles into it. And the reason we do that is I think that's a more interesting trail. Yes, you're bypassing some less scenic parts of Buckskin Gulch. Right. 
Wire Pass itself is a slot canyon that's very scenic. It's short. It has it used to have about a what eight foot drop that you had to drop down, but now they have it. They've built a nice ladder in there. Yeah, there's a ladder, so it's it's a little easier. And when you come out of Wire Pass, and you're you're now at the junction of Buckskin Gulch, and you're gonna go to the right, but there is a huge petroglyph panel there. You'll see a, a huge cliff wall, the face of a wall, and if you look closely, you can see some petroglyphs on there. It's kind of like a little uh, treasure hunt look for the petroglyphs so at that wire pass trailhead it's a fee to park it's six dollars and you just put your money in an envelope so take exact change you know buckskin gulch in its entirety is about 20 miles long it's the longest and deepest slot canyon in the southwest but if you go in through wire pass and then you do just you could just do a mile and it's all incredibly scenic Um, I think typically we, once we get into Buckskin, we hike maybe three miles through the canyon, then turn around, hike three miles back. And then when you add on Wire Pass and you add on, I don't know if we mentioned to get to Wire Pass, it's 1.3 mile hike from the parking lot. So that would make it about an eight mile round trip, which is, you know, a great day. Yeah. The other thing we should say is there are times when there is standing water in Buckskin Gulch. Uh, We've done this hike, what, six times? Yeah, I think about half a dozen. And we have found water only once. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a little bit of a chance. Uh, I think you're more likely to find water in the later summer because the monsoon season is, what, late July, August. Mm -hmm. And so that water could stand there for months, right? And so September, October, you could have standing water from the monsoon season. Uh, we've been there in the spring a, a few times and there's no water, but you know, there, there can be water any time of the year. It can also be dry any time of the year. If you're really concerned about whether or not there's water in there, you can always go to the visitor center. There's one in Kanab and there's one off of highway 89 closer to page, Arizona. Just ask the ranger if they know if there's standing water. Right. Incredibly scenic Canyon. Absolutely beautiful. And Overall, I mean, besides navigating that, you know, eight foot ladder, it's fairly easy. I mean, it's fairly flat. It's rocky, but I I would say pretty much anybody could do it. Right. Now, another Bureau of Land Management slot, this is in a different area, is called Little Wild Horse and Bell Slot Canyons. These are in the San Rafael Swell near Goblin Valley State Park. Yeah, kind of on the east, maybe southeast part of the swell. Often that's a place where families go because Goblin Valley is a great place to hike. There's also campsites there. So a lot of times people will be camping at the state park and then go over and and do the Slot Canyon. I really enjoyed this one. We did it as a loop, the Little Wild Horse. Then Bell Canyon, we did it counterclockwise, and it was about eight miles. We loved them both. If you want to do a shorter hike and you have to choose one, you'd probably want to choose Little Wild Horse because it was more scenic and you could certainly go in and then come back out. When you go all the way through Little Wild Horse and you're doing the connector trail to Bell Canyon, there is kind of a a long, boring section there. So you could skip that and just do Little Wild Horse Canyon if you wanted to. Very popular with families and kids. Well, it wasn't boring for us because we thought we were lost in the desert. (laughs) (laughs) It just is just about the time I was going to call a helicopter. Yes, we did. We, we found uh, <laughs> Bell Canyon. So Yeah. It's not, it wasn't really clearly marked back then, although it's been a few years since yeah. we've done it. Maybe the signage is a little better. Great add-on to Goblin Valley State Park if you're in that area. Okay, the last one we wanted to mention, we have not done this one. It's been in my bucket for a long time. It's Kanara Falls, right next to the little town of Kanaraville, Utah. And you will be hiking in water on this one. Mm-hmm. And you need a permit. That's right. Yeah, it's $12 a person. Yeah, I guess the story is this this particular Slot Canyon hike, again, in water, was so popular that people were parking illegally all over town. And the people in Canaraville had had enough of it. So now they have a permit process. The permit costs $12 a person. They only sell 150 a day. And you need, again, this is one where you need to get online ahead of time and get yourself a permit because they sell out. Yeah. So it's about a four mile round trip, no pets and and not recommended for children under eight. So yeah, just keep that in mind. I know a lot of people are traveling with their dogs, but just know on this particular 
trail, there's no no pets allowed. That's right. Now, I've seen a lot of photos of this, and there is one very photogenic spot where there's a waterfall, and next to the waterfall was a wooden ladder that you climb up, and it was very charming, and you're in the Slot Canyon. Now, I think for safety reasons, they have replaced the charming wooden ladder with this huge steel or aluminum ladder. So not as photogenic. but Non-charming ladder. <laughs> non-charming ladder. But, you know, safety first. I'm no, I know they want to protect everybody. Yeah, so we tried to go. Our last trip to Utah when we went in March, I actually had, I had bought tickets online. We were all set to go. But that day when we woke up, it was snowing. <laughs> Yeah, we're not doing, I, I don't do uh, hikes through water while it's snowing. <laughs> that's right. There's a lot of things I don't do. I, I know, Matt. Yeah. You kind of have kind of a long list. Uh-huh. But that's been in my bucket. We'll try it again another time when it's not snowing and the, and the temperature's a little better. But yeah, it's something you probably definitely want to check out if you like Slot Canyon hikes. All right. So that's a sampler of Slot Canyon hikes to uh-huh. do Yeah, in the Southwest. Check them out. I think if you're like us, once you do one... You'll be itching to do the next one because they are they are cool. Yeah, that's right. And like we said, they're all different. So some some are much more narrower and confined. And if you have some claustrophobia, those wouldn't be for you. But there are others that are a lot more open and they don't have that kind of same constricted feeling. So you could find one that uh, that's right for you that you would enjoy and have a fun time and feel like a kid again. That's right. Thanks for joining us today. We'll be back with a new mailbag episode at the end of July. We will. And we'll post a link to our Dirtlander website in our show notes at www.thedearbobandsuepodcast.com. You mean my Dirtlander website. <laughs> what was it uh, for richer, for poor, and sickness and in hell, for better, for worse? Yeah, it said nothing in our vows about websites. <laughs> websites were an excluded item in the wedding vows. Ha, 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 ha.